0: Go ahead and grab your seat. We're going to get into some word, I believe, for a little bit. And see where we go. I don't really know what's next other than I got something on my heart. You know, worship is so intertwined with so many different things. Um, You know, what you give attention to, what you give most of your attention to. You know that's a form of worship, right? Like if you give your attention to the Lord and He has your attention on a regular basis, meaning throughout your day, He's at the forefront of your thoughts. He's not just an afterthought. Oh yeah, God. Oh yeah. It's like that's a form of worship, right? Because worship is a is a form of sacrifice. What are you sacrificing? Well you could be thinking about a whole lot of things. There could be a whole lot of things as far as maybe worry as far as dreading certain things, but I'm gonna sacrifice all those things and I'm gonna say, I'm gonna focus on the Lord. I'm gonna put my mind on him. And when you, when you do that, the word says, he whose mind is stayed upon the Lord, he will keep him in perfect peace. I mean, perfect peace. How do you do that? My attention, I'm just gonna worship the Lord with my mind. Now, just by setting my focus, just by setting my attention on him, amen? And sometimes it's like, well, how do you do that all the time? Well, it's not always you can, you know, if you have a job, you can always just put the Lord at the forefront of your mind. But in your heart, you can be worshiping the Lord. You know, the, the same way you can worry about something while doing other things. You know, like it's in the back of your head, like, oh, there's this thing back there and it's just been weighing on me all day. It's like that same place that you worry is the same place you can meditate on the Lord. You can meditate on his word. You can go over his, what you read that morning just in the, back of, in the back of your mind. And really, that's what keeping your mind on the Lord continually looks like. It's like, I'm not going to let that be occupied by anything else. I'm not going to let that be occupied by another person. I'm not going to let that be occupied by... Uh, something that's natural, like, I've just been thinking about this car. I want this car. It's just in the back of my every time. it's like every time I have a free moment, my head just goes, oh, man, what about that? It's like, hold on. Don't get those things in the wrong place. Those things that are, that are meant to be something God adds to you and something that you give glory to him for can totally take the place of your focus just being on him. And it's like, this is the place where we live with our minds set on him. There's a scripture in Joshua about your mind and about your thoughts uh, continually on the law of God. And it says, and you will make your way prosperous, right? I think that's Joshua 1.8 maybe. And this, this idea of taking your mind and setting it on something Specifically, the Lord and His words, the things that uh, the word says, setting your mind on things above, can totally make your way prosperous. Well, why am I failing in all these areas? Why am I struggling in this? And why am I? Sh- it's like, where's your mind at? Is your mind wandering to other things? Is there worry? Is there is there anxiety? Is there? Dread and depression that's occupying the place that God is designed to occupy in us, and uh, and so I just have it on my heart that you know one of the ways we're supposed to live is a is a consciousness of the Lord, consciousness of Him, not necessarily always He's right here in the forefront and I'm just talking and thinking about Him, but in the back of my mind, I'm thinking about what he's doing. I'm, I'm, I'm aware of his presence. You know, it's like, if you had someone with you 24 hours a day, wouldn't it be weird if you just never thought about them? <laughs> they just never dawned on you that there's this person right here, really inside of you, and you just never gave them a second thought. That's how many believers live. And it's not supposed to be that way. I mean, we're talking about the presence of God. How hard is that to ignore? It should be very difficult, right? Yet some of us are just masters at it. And see, this makes a huge difference in our walk. This makes a huge difference in our day-to-day life. This makes a huge difference in in our soul, whether we're prospering here, right? Having mental health that's strong, Or we're dealing with mental battles. And so you also, it changes the way you perceive yourself, right? Because if you are conscious of God inside of you, then you start looking at yourself differently. We have a scripture that says that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit, right? So how do I look at myself? I'm a vessel. I'm a vessel that the Lord lives in. I'm not just my own person. Or you could also look at it this way. I'm just not a normal human being. There's a lot of normal human beings out there, but they don't have the Holy Spirit indwelling them. There's a lot of people out there that are just regular humans. They don't have Christ, the hope of glory, living in us and through us. That's whatever their experience is, you know, we, we know what that's like, right? We were there once. We know what it's like to really feel alone. Now there's no alone anymore. You have God on the inside of you. And that God in the inside of you is not just so you guys can hang out together, even though that's part of it. It's not just for fellowship, even though that's part of it. It's also for you to be so changed into that same image that he is on the inside of us that almost to the point where you can't tell the difference in how you talk versus how the Lord talks. You can't tell the difference between how you think between how the Lord thinks, where you act and it's like, i am just moved with compassion to do this. Well, is that you or is that the Lord? Yep. (laughs) Hard to tell the difference because him and I are one. And that's the place that God's designed us to live out of. And, and so, you know, it goes on to this subject of like identity. Who are you? Who are, who are we? And it's like, you have a name, but is that who you are? No, that's something you have. You have arms. You're not your arms. You have arms. There's something you have. You're not a body. That's something you have. You have a mind, you're not a mind. So what are you? And who are you? It's like The Lord gets to define that, right? And then you look in our world today and there's a crisis in our society of people have no clue who they are. And so they're swayed by any, any person who comes along and says, maybe you're this, maybe you're that. And in our society, it's crazy. Identity is everything right now. I identify as, it's like, do you think the enemy knows the power of identity? Do you think the born-again believers don't have the same revelation as in a general sense that maybe the enemy does because we're not prioritizing identity the way the enemy's attacks are. Who we are determines how you think. I mean, we have a scripture, I, I think it's in Psalm, maybe Proverbs. It says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Heard that one before? The scriptures point to How you perceive yourself is how you're going to act. It's how you're going to think. So if I have this misconception of who I am, I'm going to live completely contrary to who I really am. If I believe I'm a son of God, if I believe I'm a temple of the Holy Spirit, if I believe I have Jesus living on the inside of me and he wants to live through me, That's my identity. I'm going to look a whole lot different than someone who lives in the world. And I'm not going to identify according to the things the world identifies with. I'm not going to identify with my body. What color I am, where I came from in the world, what gender, nothing. I'm not going to even identify that. We don't, we don't, Paul said this, we don't consider one another according to the flesh anymore. It's according to the the Spirit, because that is who we really are. We are Spirit. If you were to to unzip your earth suit and throw that aside and (laughs) unplug the soul, the mind, the will, and the emotions and set that aside, what are you left with? Your Spirit. What does your Spirit look like? There's only one way to know, and it's according to the Word, you can't perceive spiritual things except by the Spirit, and His Word is Spirit, and it is life. And so with, uh, with that, would you turn with me to 1 John chapter 3, 1 John chapter 3, verse 2. It says, Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Have you ever gone to church before and someone's wearing the same outfit you are? It's happened to me a couple of times. And it's like, hey, hey, hey. Look at that. Like, that's just kind of what I picture is going to happen right here. It's like Jesus, ah, look, we're the same. <laughs> Jesus, we got the same outfit on. It's like when we see him as he is, we're going to be like, hey, we're the same. Meaning this, Jesus and us aren't that different. We're not going to all of a sudden one day see Jesus and be like, wow, you're so much better, you're so much more amazing than I am. It's like when we see him as he is, we'll see ourselves as we are, and we're not going to think super low of ourselves in that moment. I mean, this is his word, right? This is something he revealed. Now, I'm not saying that you're going to be Lord. This isn't talking about position. This is talking about identity. This isn't talking about roles, Jesus has a supreme role. Jesus has a supreme position. You'll never be Lord of Lords. You might be Lord, but you're not gonna be Lord of Lords. Right? You might be a king, but you're never gonna be the King of Kings. That's not what we're saying. What, what the scripture's saying is when we see him in spirit form standing before us, we'll see ourselves in spirit form and be like, hey, we're this, we're created the same. Which doesn't it sort of make sense since Jesus is a Son of God and we're the Son of God's Son of God as well? Isn't it make sense that we would be the same? I mean, I have two brothers. <laughs> and we get confused a lot. It's like, Jesus, when we see him, we're going to say, "Wow, look, He's like me. I'm like him." There's no difference. Meaning this, the same way he's righteous and the same way he's holy and the same way that he walks in power and the same way that he has authority, we will also see ourselves in that way. Now, hopefully this isn't just a, I'm gonna figure this out in heaven. That's not really what this scripture is talking about because it goes on to say, and everyone who has this hope in, in him purifies himself just as he is pure, meaning hope here. This word hope means a confident expectation. This isn't a, I I sure hope it goes like this. I wish it was this way. No, it's an expectation. The word hope in the Bible is a different word than our society uses. It's like a guarantee this is going to happen. He who has this hope that I am like Jesus purifies himself, how so? Because if I recognize that I am righteous, if I recognize I am pure and holy, if I recognize that I am Jesus, there's no sin in him, that means there's no sin in me. It's a purifying thought now. It's a pure identity that we take on. And out of that identity, we start purifying ourselves. Because it goes to this, would Jesus think like this? Would Jesus do this? Would he act in this manner? And it's like, well, that's, that's a high standard to live up to. But that's the standard in which you were created. You've been reborn into this standard of holiness. You've been... Now, now no one... I'm not saying everyone should always 100% get it right. No, we're, we all are growing in this. We're all becoming... The word says, conformed to the image of Christ. That's an ongoing process. But at the same time, how does this process work? It first starts with being, meaning that's who I am now. I'm not trying to stop sinning so that I become sinless, so that I start becoming holy. No, I start from that position. That's my starting point because that's who Jesus is that's who I am. When, I, when I'm reborn, I'm made like Him. Turn with me to the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 4, <clears throat> verse 23, it says, And be renewed in the spirit of your mind... And that you put on the new man, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind that you put on the new man who was created according to God. Now, one thing I want to point out is it doesn't say is being created by God. The new man was created by God. How was he created? In true righteousness and holiness. How do you how do you put this on? Well, what does a new man look like? Can I tell you the best example we have? I believe it's the reason we have four different accounts of the life of Jesus is so that we can look at him. We can look at how he acted. We can look at what he said. We can see his attitudes and situations. We could see how he walked in perfect love and holiness and righteousness and say, that's the new man. Isn't that that right? I mean, we're like him. I'm going to put on that. I'm going to put on Jesus. I'm not going to just live according to the old me, which is what the verse before 22, that you put off concerning your former con- conduct, the old man, which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust. I need to put on the new man, which is Christ. Keep going back to verse 20. But you have not so learned Christ. What do we need to learn? It's a weird way of saying it. You haven't learned Christ. You don't know Jesus well enough. You don't know who he is. You don't know how he thinks well enough. You're, our focus isn't, hasn't been him and him alone to the point where that's who I am. That's how I act now. You know, how, it's sad how many believers you see who struggle with the identity of who Jesus is. And it's pretty plain in Scripture who he is. He's not a condemning person. He's not calling people out all the time. You never see him walking around saying, hey, you're doing this wrong. Hey, you're doing that wrong. Hey, you're, you know, being judgmental all the time. What we see Jesus doing is being very gracious. Remember the woman caught in the act of adultery, right? Think about, think about this is who we are now. Remember when the the disciples came to Jesus and said, hey, these guys who rejected you, let's, be, let's do what Elijah did and let's call fire down from heaven on these guys. And Jesus is like, you don't know what spirit you're of. <laughs> Meaning this, that's not who we are. That's not me. I'm not, that's not what I do. I'm not out here to condemn the world. I came here to save the world. I'm not here to point out everyone's flaws. I'm here to show everyone a new way of love. That's us, that's who we are now. When we see Jesus act a certain way, that's now how we act. Why? Not because we're trying to earn something. Our good acts, our good behaviors are not trying to earn place with the Lord. You will never earn something that Jesus already earned for you. It's just not gonna be that way. It's somewhat of a slap in the face of what the Lord Jesus did for us to think, I'm gonna try to earn what Jesus already earned. This is how the believer is designed to live with a consciousness of God on the inside of us and, and this idea that we're not so different from this place We can fulfill the scripture that Jesus said, the same works I do and greater works will you do. How can I do that? I'm not Jesus. You're not in the position of Jesus, but you are like him in that he was a son of God, filled with the Holy Spirit and mandated to destroy the works of the devil. That's us, that we have the same mandate to carry out the same mandate he did. Well, I'm, Don't you know, like, that's, that takes someone special. It's like, well, you are someone special. You're the body of Christ. The body of Christ, I don't know about you, but I don't want my body looking different than me. I don't think Jesus wants his body to look defeated, to look full of sin consciousness, to look full of, I can'ts, instead of, no, I want my body to see themselves like I see me, victorious, overcoming in every situation, without flaw, and with a relationship with the Father. That's, that's our identity now. That's who we are. In this place, in this place, life If you look how Jesus lived, life was submitted to him. He wasn't submitted to the things of life. Things that happened, he didn't just roll over and take. This is one of the main things that I see Jesus came to set an example. You know, when Jesus was here, he came for many reasons. One of them is redemption. But you look at his ministry and the reason we have so many things written down about his ministry is because he's setting an example. He's our example. It's like people will say, well, you know, what about Job? And what about this person in the Bible? And it's like, none of those are said to be our example. The one who is our example is Jesus. Job didn't have Jesus living through him on the inside like we do. Job didn't have the baptism of the Holy Spirit and was filled with the Holy Ghost and with power like we do. Jesus is our example. Jesus is the one who we look to and say, how did he act? How did he think? How, how does he operate in certain situations? And we say, that's apparently, I'm capable of that. I think that's step one, right? I have to at least admit I'm capable of that. Jesus just healed, just raised a dude from the dead that was dead three days. I'm capable of that. Come on, this is a big mind shift for many believers. Jesus on the cross said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do as they're jamming him with the spear, as they're spitting on him, as they're, cursing him, as they're mocking him. And he says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Apparently, I'm capable of that. Seems impossible. Seems like how in the world could you actually do that? But that's who we are. We are created like this. God said in his word that we would put on the new man which was created, all things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. You are a new creation in Christ. That word creation in that, that passage there, that word creation is in some translations, and if you look back to the original, is actually saying you're a new species of being. The world has never seen the new creation that you are when you became born again, which is this after and same like species of Jesus when he was born by the Spirit. And we became, when we received him, we became born by the Spirit. We're no different. And just have this mindset that says, well, Jesus is this and Jesus did that and he's He's so, we'll we'll never be, it's like, no, that is not the mindset that God said would actually cause you to live according to his plan and his will. The only way we're going to walk this out the way that God designed it is to actually have the same identity that Jesus had, which is, I'm not from earth, I'm sent from above. Do you believe that about yourself? You're called ambassadors of Christ. We're called aliens from from another place. We're called citizens of heaven. Heaven is not on the earth. Heaven is somewhere else. Our citizenship, our home, we live out of a different place just like Jesus did. Bible says we've been seated in heavenly places. Have been, not someday going to be. Right now, we're all, you're, if you're born again, if you have Jesus on the inside of you, you are currently seated in heavenly places. Yeah. We're, we're talking about identity. This is how we look at ourselves. This determines what you actually do. Because as you think in your heart, so are you. Well, You know, you don't know my past. You don't know what I've been through. You don't. It's like, why is that relevant to who you are when you got born again? You don't know what my family's been through. You don't know about the abuse I went through. You don't know about. How is that relevant to who God created you to be when you were born again? You have no limiting factors. The limiting factors, the only limiting factors that exist are the ones you create. God didn't create you different than everybody else and say, well, yeah, this applies to everybody else in the body except for you, you're different, which is one of the ways the enemy likes to talk, tries to convince you you're special in a wrong way. It's like, no, you're just like every other believer. You deal with the same things and the same thoughts of defeat and the same thoughts of not being enough and the same thoughts of, I don't know if I can actually do this. And yet at the same time, he said, I created you in the same image of Jesus. I put my spirit on the inside of you. I birthed you by the spirit so that you could walk in the same righteousness. You could walk in that same holiness. You could walk in that same power. That's why I put this inside of you. So you wouldn't be striving for it someday, so you could get yourself to this place, but you could now act from this place. And it's just, a, it's just a, a very big mind shift from how you used to be, because how you used to be was carnal. How you used to be before you were born again was of the world, thinking the way the world does. Now, we think according to Christ. Christ. There's a scripture that says the weapons of our warfare are mighty in God for pulling down strongholds and and coming against every argument that exalts itself above the knowledge of God and that we should take every thought captive into the obedience of Christ. Think about that for a second. Taking thoughts captive, locking them up into the obedience of what? What? Christ. It's kind of like the same thing. You have not learned Christ. This thought is contrary to me and Jesus being the same. I take that thought captive and I cast it out because that's trying to exalt itself above the knowledge of God. The weapons of our warfare are mighty in God for pulling these strongholds down, which means you have power on the inside of you that is more than you're aware of to cast down those thoughts, cast down those arguments that sometimes people have been ingrained with for decades, where sometimes religion teaches and religion causes a belief system and a web of misunderstanding and a web of unbelief. It's like, you have power. You've got mighty weapons for pulling down those strongholds, for saying, I'm gonna take that thought and I'm gonna compare that to what Christ says, what he is, how he thinks, and if it's contrary or if I say, I don't really see Jesus acting this way, that thought leaves. What if you fail at this? What if you, you know, maybe this is some of the thoughts that, that come, you're trying something new, The Lord's having you maybe go minister to someone. What if it doesn't go right? What if I mess up? It's like those are thoughts trying to exalt themselves above the knowledge of God that we need to take into the obedience of Christ. Did Jesus fail? He never failed. Not one time did he just, "Ah, I'm defeated. I can't do this. I'm such a mess up. Those are all statements that the old you make, made. The new you, putting on the new man, doesn't make those statements anymore. Just doesn't. Then If you're making those statements about yourself, just recognize that's part of the old you trying to revive back up. The old you that should, be, that should be crucified with Christ, should be nailed to that cross, And the new man who's like, listen, we got Jesus on the inside of us. Listen, we have the Holy Spirit living on the inside of us with all power. From this place of identity, recognizing who we really are, we can overcome anything. There's no obstacle too big. Jesus never said, well, you can't do this. He he said, all things are possible to him who believes, and with God, all things are possible. Those are the the things that he said that we have to recognize we are capable of. If we don't know him, if we don't know who Jesus is, if we don't know the way he thinks, how can we live this out? See, this, this takes things like, I need to read the Bible and I need to pray. Why? The, one of the reasons is for this specific thing we're talking about. If I don't know who Jesus is and how he thinks, I can't even act the way I'm designed to be. Yeah. Reading, and it's not some religious duty where I'm trying to, oh, hopefully the Lord's pleased with my chapter today. If you're trying to please the Lord with that, he's probably not very happy with it. It should be, man, I'm, I need to find out more about who Jesus is. Can I tell you, it doesn't matter how many times you've read through the gospels, I guarantee if you go back, you will find something new that you've not seen before. I know there's people that I'm seeing nod their head that probably read it, probably read the gospels a hundred times in their life. And there's always something new. Wow, Jesus really thought that? Jesus really th- said that in that way? And it's like, boom, that's, that's giving me a mirror to see who I am now. Isn't Jesus the mirror? Isn't Jesus the, the word of God? Don't we look at the word to see who we are? Come on, Jesus is our example. He's the one we follow. He's the one we think like, we act like. In fact, um, I think it's in 2 Corinthians, uh, it's the, the scripture says that we've been given the mind of Christ. That means apparently in everything that was done on, uh, on Calvary, it included me not having a mind, that was inferior to the mind Jesus had. I have the same mind Jesus had. Can we, This is, again, a, a mind shift for us. This is what I'm capable of. I'm capable of having thoughts that Jesus had. Why? Because I'm created like him. When I see him as he is, I'm going to say... Hey, look at you, we're the same. God is so much better than most people realize. Where people have come to this conclusion that they have to try to earn some position with him. When God said, you, the moment you got born again, I gave you that position of righteousness. I gave you that position of power. I gave you that position of holiness. Stop trying to earn it. Stop trying to, oh, someday I'm gonna get there. Can I tell you, by working at getting there, you'll never get there. You will never, it'll be something that's just a carrot always dangling in front of your face. You'll never be good enough to sit there and say, yep, today, I'm on the same level of righteousness as Jesus based upon how I acted. Just not going to happen. What is going to happen? I'm so focused on who the Lord is. My mind is so steadfast on Jesus, and I'm not distracted with anything else to where now my auto response is I look like him. I think like him. I talk like him. I do the things he does because... What else can I see? I can't see anything else. You know, one of the things um, that you read in the Old Testament was, um, I think it was, was it Jacob? I think it was Jacob who was, um, I hadn't thought about this story in a long time till just now, so hopefully I get it right. They, he, he got these um, sheep and they were all the spotted ones. Am I saying this right? People who have read that story more recently than I have. He got all these spotted ones from, I believe it was Rachel's father, right? Huh? Yeah. Layman. it. Thank you. And he figures out that if I put something that's completely, what did he put in front of him? You guys, this is good, it's good interactive service right now. We're learning together. Thank you. See not not just because you're a pastor doesn't mean you know the whole thing top to bottom at any point in time, right? And by by these sheep staring at something that was completely spotted, they started having offspring that were spotless. And he tra- he changed the entire herd of sheep into being completely spotless based upon what the sheep looked at. That's a type and shadow of us staring at Jesus, spotless, holy, and righteous, and us conforming to that same image. When we focus, when we stare at, when we think on and put our minds and set our attention on who he is, on him, It's sometimes hard to like put your mind on the Holy Spirit because it's hard to get a grasp of what does he look like, right? (laughs) And it's sometimes hard to grasp what you look like as a spirit. We just have no point of reference to go off of. But that's why Jesus came in the form of a man, so that we would have the ability to have a point of reference. This is what It looks like, this is what we look to. And by looking to, setting our focus there, it changes us. It doesn't change us on the inside because we got changed on the inside when we received him. It changes us starting from the inside out and all of a sudden it shows up in our behavior, it shows up in our thoughts, it shows up in what we say, how we deal with people. Everything changes when we focus on him. When I look to him, he doesn't turn into me. I turn into him. Why? Well, one, he's never changing. And number two, because I'm already like him. We're already the same. God's so merciful. He's made this a lot simpler than we've made it. He's made this whole journey, this whole process of walking out life according to what he's planned. Because I don't know about you, I want to fulfill what God's planned. I want to fulfill his will. I want to see his will done. If I'm constantly struggling with all my own things all the time, it's really hard to get focused on the outside things like your neighbor that needs someone to pray for them. The person that you're working with that needs to hear the gospel. to, To think about the your relative who's fighting cancer. It's like, I can't think about that. I'm in survival mode. Jesus wasn't in survival mode. He never lived from that place. If you're currently there, it starts by just looking to him. When you look to him, you'll start seeing things change in, in your situations even. You'll start seeing that you have because Jesus had the ability to influence them. You know, a lot of people just say, oh, you gotta just accept the things that you can't change. There's not much that you can't influence. There's not much that Jesus couldn't influence. He had such great influence. He had such great power to be able to change situations. And to sit there and think, oh, we just can't do anything about this, there were certain things that he couldn't change, like when someone was dead sent against doing the opposite of what the right thing was. He wasn't overriding people's will. You can't override someone's will. If someone doesn't like you or hates you, that's that's on them. You can pray for them and I think you can have an influence, but it's not gonna audit doesn't mean you can guarantee a change. We have so much more influence in this world than we realize. And I believe a lot of the reasons so many things aren't going the way God designed them to go is because we are taking our influence and sitting on it. We are taking our influence and saying, well, I can't do that. I'm just a regular old human. No, you're not. You've been made like Jesus. Jesus never looked at a situation and be like, I just can't do it. I can't, I can't fix this. No, he's like, with God, all things are possible. That was his perspective. That's now our perspective. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord.